my privilege to read from Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 through 7. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the future he will honor Galilee of the Gentiles by the way of the sea along the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as men rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as it is in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. The word of the Lord. Everybody park their car down the street. Everybody arrive at a precise time. Come to the back door, walk in, keep out of sight. Yes, it had all been prearranged uh, to celebrate a major birthday milestone. And try to keep 50 people quiet. Shh, shh, they're coming. And then we saw the husband and the wife drive into their own driveway. We were in their home all 50 of us, waiting, waiting to cheer and celebrate our friends. The husband had no idea what was coming. The wife did. And when they opened the door, we let loose with the loudest cheer we could muster. Surprise! Happy birthday. What a surprise. To another young couple who were recently engaged came a surprise. Hi. Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. You're going to have a baby. And uh, the name has already been chosen. You'll call his name Jesus. Surprise, Mary. Christmas is full of surprises. To the young man, the discovery that his fiancée was pregnant and he knew this was not of his doing, shocked concerned how to handle it, then a surprise through a dream. The woman you're going to marry is with child. The child in Mary was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Take her as your wife. The baby is to be called Jesus. Surprise! Christmas is full of surprises. An elderly man, a priest all his life, had the wonderful privilege to serve in the temple. He enters the holy place of the temple, and there he met an angel. Your wife is going to have a baby. You're to name him John. Surprise, Zechariah. 
You're going to be a dad in your senior years. I don't think so. I don't think so, said Zachariah. I'm an old man now, and my wife is well along in years. Surprise! You won't be able to talk. <laughs> Not till your son is born. And sure enough, Zechariah and Elizabeth became parents in their old age, and a mighty prophet of God was born. His name was John. John the Baptist. Surprise. Christmas is full of surprises. A dedicated servant of God who was waiting for the surprise, never knowing when it would happen, if it would happen, in fact, in his lifetime, but believing the prophecy that he would see the Lord's Christ, the Messiah, before he died. And when Mary and Joseph brought Jesus to the temple, it was no accident that Simeon was there, and his heart must have beat fast. Well, precisely, if you read the Scripture, the Holy Spirit had timed it so that Simeon was nudged to come to the temple, and there he saw Mary and Joseph, and he took the baby in his arms, and he praised God. Surprise! He's here. He's here. He's arrived. And Anna was on the scene as well, 84 years old, a prophet for the majority of her life, always in the temple, waiting for this great moment. She saw Simeon and Mary and Joseph, and she knew in her heart that the surprise had arrived. She talked about the child to everyone who had been waiting expectantly for God to rescue them. Christmas is full of surprises. Do you think you might be in line for a surprise this Christmas? You never know. If you did know, it wouldn't be a surprise. Keep open to some surprises in your life. Surprise gift? I don't know. Maybe those surprises on the first Christmas will just keep coming, but in different ways. There's a Christmas verse over in 2 Corinthians 9.15 that doesn't seem like a Christmas verse, but it is. It's a wonderful surprise verse. And it goes like this. Thanks be to God for his... Do you know the missing word? Indescribable. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. There it is. Short and sweet. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. That gift was such a surprise to the world that Paul, who pens these words, cannot find a good adjective to describe the gift. He's completely at a loss to express himself. So he simply says, it's indescribable. That word's not used anywhere else in all of the scripture. Paul coined that word. Indescribable. Why is it indescribable? Why is this word too difficult to put into some kind of descriptive phraseology? I mean, it's just a baby. <laughs> we describe babies all the time, don't we? Usually we say, oh, look at those chuggy cheeks. Oh, look at all the hair your baby has. She's got your eyes. She's got mom's eyes. We have to say something. So we describe them. Well, if this had been an ordinary conception, and if he had been an ordinary infant, there would have been nothing indescribable about him. But he wasn't ordinary. And that's why Paul says it's indescribable. 
The gift is a surprise, and the surprise is indescribable. The New Living Translation says, Thank you, God, for this gift too wonderful for words. Do you think Mary and Joseph could fathom what had happened when they looked into the eyes of this newborn infant? Imagine Luke chapter 2, verse 6. She gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and she laid him in a feeding trough because there was no room for them in the inn. Some years ago, uh, Billy Joel gave his daughter quite a gift for uh, uh, her birthday. On her 12th birthday, she was in New York City, and the pop musician was in Los Angeles. He phoned her that morning apologizing for his absence, but told her to expect the delivery of a large package before the end of the day. The daughter uh, answered the doorbell that evening to find a seven-foot-high, brightly wrapped box. And she tore it open and outstepped her father, fresh off the plane from the West Coast. Can you imagine her surprise? Surprise! Our gift came in the flesh, too. He was announced years before, and on Christmas Day, he stepped out of heaven and was born as a little baby through the birth canal of Mary. And Mary wrapped him in cloths and laid him in this feeding trough, this little baby. But you know the uh, indescribable gift came wrapped in prophecy? Uh, a surprise for sure. But God, you know, gave lots of pre-advance notice that Jesus would come. Pre-advance notice, like hundreds of years, uh, getting people ready. You know, people like surprises, but I would say most people say, don't surprise me too much. I'd like to know what's happening. So Isaiah wrote 500 years before, not knowing all the implications of this at all. He, he can't get the picture. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Hundreds of years before the birth of this little baby, the message is being announced. In Isaiah 53, Isaiah continues to express what God is putting on his heart. Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He has no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. I mean, Isaiah is getting us prepped for the arrival of this indescribable gift. And Micah chapter 5 verse 2 is a prophecy with a specific destination. The Messiah would be born where? In Bethlehem. So this indescribable gift comes wrapped in prophecy. And this indescribable gift comes wrapped in history. God has a marvelous way of combining prophecy and history. Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, it says, But when the time had fully come, some translations, in the fullness of time, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law to redeem those under the law, that we might receive our full right of sons and daughters. There is a timing that was just right for Jesus to come to this earth as a baby, that indescribable gift. And the timing was just right.
Only God can do that. Only God can get the timing right in your life. Only God could get the timing right so that the whole world could hear the message. And for the first time in history, there was a common language to express what had happened in Bethlehem. It was called Koine Greek. And thanks to Alexander the Great, who helped develop a common language, and with all of the conquests, the message of Christ, the message of Christmas, was written in a common language so the people of the world could read it and receive it and, and, uh, and hear it. So in the fullness of time, there was a common language. And in the fullness of time, thanks to the Romans, there was an ability to move about. The Romans, you know, built the roads. For the first time in history, there were roads to travel on and people could go from the east to the west and back and forth. So there was transportation and the message could get out to the then known world. So the indescribable gift appears at the perfect time in history. God is sovereign. God is orchestrating. But you know, one of the biggest surprises was not how loud the cheering was, but how quiet it was. God did not gather half the world on a, on a beautiful Mediterranean resort and have everybody pop balloons and scream, surprise. No, he choice, chose to come with very little noise and very little clamor. And there was no Bethlehem spectacular. You know, it feels very much like that verse over in Revelation. Is it chapter 3, verse 20? that says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens to me, I will come in to him. There's a painting by Holman Hunt, hangs in the British National Gallery in London. And you know that picture. Jesus is standing there and he's gently rapping at a door. And the door is unopened. And a little boy is standing in front of the painting with his father. And Daddy, he says, why don't they answer the door? And the father says, I don't know why. And then there was a moment's pause and then the youngster said, Maybe they're making too much noise to hear him knocking. And that might be true. And that's how he often speaks to us, quietly, when we're slowed down. He nudges us in our own experiences. He whispers to us in the logic of, of common sense. He gets our interest through the gentleness of some new idea. And our heart beats fast. We say, ah, oh, that's what I want to do. He speaks through the brokenness of our world. We see his heart and we hear him. The surprise of Christmas is the quietness. I somehow don't miss it this Christmas season. The surprise of quietness. It's the kind of quietness when the Spirit is all about you. And amazing things are happening. Christmas silence is the best. As one writer put it, Christmas is still the time when the whole world holds its breath and tries to hear once again the soft cry of a baby. So hallowed and so gracious is this time that Mary could not say a word. She just pondered the lowliness of God's approach. And then, of course, there is the surprise of the actual arrival of our celebrated guest, 
the indescribable gift. The location? A stable. Yes, a stable, a manger, a feeding trough. And when I read that, my mind takes me back to my childhood when we used to milk cows morning and evening in the barn. Especially in the winter, I can tell you, there's a freshness in barn aroma in the wintertime. We won't talk about it. There's a freshness. And what a beginning for baby Jesus on planet Earth. His whole life was lived in that kind of humility. It's the essence of what he wanted to teach us. It was a lifestyle. And so in opposition, so countercultural from the world in which he was born. And his message through his ministry was to live this way, to serve others, to put others first, to care for the needy, to reach out to the person who has a rough go, to keep them always in your hearts, and to adopt a servant lifestyle. And that took him to the cross, as we well know. And as Pastor Norb so well reminded us last week, that he humbled himself and he became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Then, of course, there was the surprise of where the message landed and to whom it was given. It, was, it, was, it, was, it landed in a field where shepherds were watching their sheep. The announcement was probably most boisterous of all the people of the world. It probably was most boisterous to shepherds. More cheering to the shepherds than anyone else. And the skies were lit up with the beauty of the angels as they sang, Peace on earth, goodwill to men. And God, you see, gave the shepherds the biggest cheer. I wonder why. I just love to think about that. Look, look where God chose to express the greatest news of all times to the shepherd. And at the heart of the message is that God didn't make the announcement and the good news an intellectual assignment. He didn't say, you've got to figure out the formula to the mystery. You've got a certain time in your life and you can do the calculations and hopefully you can find at the end of the day how all of this works. No, no. It's not about intellectual prowess. It's about inclusiveness. It's a message for everyone, even the ungood of the world. And that's what he's trying to say with the shepherds. You know, some children write letters to Santa Claus. Some of them are pretty good. Some of them are very interesting. One said, Dear Santa, you did not bring me anything good last year. You did not bring me anything good the year before that. This is your last chance. <laughs> Signed, Alfred. But my favorite goes like this. Dear Santa, there are three little boys who live at our house. There's Jeffrey. He's two. And there's David. He's four. And then there's Norman. And he is seven. Jeffrey is good some of the time. David is good some of the time. But Norman is good all of the time. I am Norman. Well, the reality is that we're not Normans, none of us. We're shepherds. We're in the category of the ungood. And the message has come to us, unworthy though we be. The grace of God is all wrapped up in this indescribable gift. Indescribable. What a great surprise gift. We shall always be thankful that God has come to us 
those four words, God is with us. The indescribable gift. And I joyfully remind us that Jesus is the gift that changes lives. He brings healing to brokenness. He brings salvation. He brings hope for all eternity. He brings assurance that God is with us, Emmanuel. He brings wisdom and peace and wholeness. And I say to you today, if you've never received the indescribable gift, I pray you will, that you will not miss it in the time he gives you on this planet, that you will embrace this message, and that you will come to love him and to know him and to serve him with all of your heart.